Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Essentially, it's everything I know about executive protection and a lot of soft skill training on the techniques, tactics, principles that I believe make it so some protection agents succeed while others fail regardless of background. Anyways, check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. You are now listening to an EDC episode of the podcast. Please keep in mind that anything that's referenced on the podcast as far as gear is also made available in my Amazon store. So visit Byron's Amazon store to scoop up any of the gear we talk about. And this is a series, man. So... The EDC episodes are going to keep coming as I talk with new professionals and we're going to get more and more information on what people are carrying and operating with out there in the game. Enjoy. Boom. Hey, what's going on, guys? Byron Rogers back with uh, the next chapter in our EDC episode. I've got Barry Mosey in here with me once again. What's going on, man? Hey, good to see you, brother. What's going on? Good to see you. Good to have you. It's an honor. Absolutely. Um, and so we're going to get into the EDC stuff. Um, real quick, just a little kind of what was background, just so people kind of know who you are, if you don't mind, brother. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, so my name is Barry Mosian, and I'm the president of Talent Executive Services. And we are a corporate investigations and security consulting firm, an EP shop uh, located in Orange County, California. We have a um, uh, national and global reach and uh, specialize in providing uh, services that the federal law enforcement branches provide to the public. We provide to companies and corporations, um, again, both domestically and internationally. So that's a little overview. And my background personally is in uh, U.S. Army uh, field intelligence, uh, member of alerts team back in the day. And... Uh, saw some things, did some things and, you know, around the world. And it was an invaluable uh, experience for me and kind of helped set, you know, my azimuth for my direction in my life. And uh, here I am, private sector now. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Old gray beard. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm digging it, man. Yeah. Old gray, everything is It's looking. <laughs> you're already kind of one of those guys that I like. When I'm talking with you, I'm like, he's smarter than me. <laughs> you know, like, you're very intelligent and deliberate and i always appreciate that about you um yeah for sure it's kind so, of you to say yeah absolutely 100 so i'm definitely looking forward and when i've seen your gear everything's been like dress right dress it's had it's you know it's very organized and <laughs> so i'm looking forward to getting into this man so edc how do you approach it why do you carry what where do you carry all that fun stuff the the really cool thing about edc to me is that um, it's it's such a thing out in the public purview now, and you know it's in it's even so influential now that when we're out doing um, uh, target violence prevention training and awareness training in the corporate environment, it's it's become a component in a couple of slides on my PowerPoint presentation because in a room full of civilians, I'll oftentimes talk about you know we discuss uh, situational awareness and understanding the, you know, the 10,000 foot view of the psychological makeup of somebody who commits a mass casualty event. Mm-hmm. And what we try to do is refine that understanding to don't confuse somebody who may be uh, displaying um, firearms uh, and, and, you know, has an enthusiasm for firearms as somebody who is a prepared civilian, a prepared citizen. And there's yeah. a difference. And, and I'll, you know, by a show of hands, ask people, does anybody know what the term EDC means? And of course, the majority of them don't. But there's occasionally, you know, a guy out there, always a guy, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of sheepishly looks around and, you know, you can spot him because they fit in with, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the latest low pro version of 511s, you know, Defender jeans or yes. you know, something like that. Or they're, you know, they're wearing some sort of uh, Vertex product or right, right, right. bag, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, they got a funky watch on or something. Chops a little bit, but I'll say, look, here's the thing. There's a difference between this, these groups of individuals, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. clearly. And guess what, guys? 
that gentleman is going to be the one who has the exit plan. So yep. make friends, know that person, because guess what? They're prepared. They're the That's ones who are going to have the tourniquet in their uh, go bag. They're the ones who are going to have the route already checked out. Mm-hmm. So make friends with them and uh, get to know them. So anyways, awesome. um, you know, it's been f- interesting and fascinating to see that evolution of everyday carry uh, become very much a lifestyle factor. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, going through the, that process of kind of weeding out the flashy stuff, the stuff that sounds cool, looks cool, but doesn't really work. It's not practical. And I think we're now at a point, um, you know, that there's never been a better selection of commercial availability of good quality products out there at reasonable prices. Yeah. Um, and now it's almost an embarrassment of riches where, where the average citizen has to fight the urge to buy everything they see that seems cool and use the stuff, buy the stuff that you know you'll use that you'll get trained up on and you'll be able to practically carry. It's not going to be so overdone and overwrought that you're just not going to be able to carry it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and then also understanding the, the stages of it. What do I carry on my person as EDC? What do I carry in my, my you know, computer bag, uh, backpack that I carry into my place of employment or my school? And then what do I have in my vehicle as my vehicle setup? Because those are three different stages. You know, you know the old saying, uh, for home defense, you know, I use, I use my, uh, you know, for those, uh, martial arts practitioners, I use my collie stick and my blade to fight to my pistol. I use my pistol to fight to my shotgun. I use my shotgun to fight to my AR. Yeah. And you know, it's that progressive kind of concept of the right tool for the right application, depending on your environment. So anyways, mm-hmm. that's a very yeah. long winded and verbose way of saying, um, big, advocate and proponent of EDC, even if that EDC just means you're carrying, um, you know, a nice rigid um, pen, a pocket light that you can carry. And uh, you understand that your your uh, cell phone is not your flashlight, but rather is your communications device. Yeah. Even if you're stripped down as that, and you've got the confidence and how to apply those tools, right. you're good to go. You know, your EDC for what you need. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, um, so so for me, EDC means different things to different people, obviously. Yeah. And even from a kind of gender-specific breakdown, hmm. for uh, the working you know female who's out there um, going to work and has to you know be kind of dressed up in business attire and maybe has to wear very attractive but impractical footwear. Uh, EDC for her is going to be having a pair of uh, trainers in her you know, in her bag. Right. Yeah. Um, so that in the event there's an earthquake or there's a active threat scenario in her place of business, she can take off the Jimmy choose, stash them, throw on the uh, Nike trainers or what have you. And now she's much more mobile, much more ambulatory and can, you know, run Get out and do whatever she needs to, but that's not quite as sexy as having the, you know, the surefire light and the, yeah, exactly. And the Emerson, you know, blade and yeah, exactly. You've got your, you've got your, uh, you know, all your jazz. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. 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 We start right. Taking let's let's do a gear dump, right? So yeah. You got, right, yeah. And you got uh, you know, all your fun That's stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, no BCM is not, you know, is not sponsoring this, uh, this yeah, episode, yeah, but they should yeah. be. Right. <laughs> That's but, awesome. but, you know, you can appreciate that. That's what it, it's different for, for different people. And that's what we really encourage um, our clients and in training sessions uh, for um, civilians to really focus on is be practical, know which, what you need, do that self-assessment and, and then be practical about what you're buying. Cause you don't have to break the bank on it. Um, there's a lot of good gear out there. And, and while you definitely want to spend for quality gear, you don't have to break the bank. You don't always have to go with military grade or, even law enforcement grade, there's different things you can do because if, you know, better that you have something than have nothing, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, practical items like uh, a good handheld light. Um, you know, that's a must. Um, you know, if you can't afford a full IPOC or individual um, blowout kit, uh, you know, buy one Israeli bandage, buy two, practice with the first one and then pack the second one. And then, you um, you know, band up, use some ranger bands 
and have your cat tourniquet that you picked up for 20 bucks or whatever, right? You're yeah. good to go. You'll stop bleeding. So those kinds of things. And you may not need the full-blown, you know, North American medical blowout kit that costs 200 bucks or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's absolutely right, man. You got to, like, because piggybacking off what you're saying, you know, and it's not just enough to carry it or buy it <laughs> and have it. You really want to be able to, like, carry things that are to the highest degree of your training. Um, there's a lot to be said for that, but it's good to have it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you got the budget it, for it, you know, uh, pay for the good stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, but then, yeah. you know, like anything else, it's, you know, it's not the tool, it's the operator driving the tool. Heck so yeah. training, training, training as you know, best you can. And, um, and it, it does all kind of complement each other. The, the, mindset of situational awareness and, and, you know, discarding the concept of victim and being that, that self-motivated driven individual, um, that you will survive this. doesn't matter if it's man-made natural disaster, you know, just plain bad luck, whatever. All right, whatever. Hand I was dealt today. I'm going to roll yeah. and get it done. And I'm going to make it home to my loved ones or my cat or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so having those, that's really, I guess, to, to kind of back up a little bit, that's really when, when I use the term EDC, that's what I'm thinking of mm-hmm. is that trifecta. I'm thinking of mindset, you know, proper T-O-N-E, meaning equipment uh, for the task at hand um, and um, having that, uh, that game plan. Yeah. You know, so those three things, that's your EDC. It's not just the cool blade or the, cool uh, medical blowout kit or the, mm-hmm. you know, high speed, low drag, uh, you know, uh, you know, agency pistol Gun. or Zeftech pistol you're running or whatever the case is. Those yeah. things are cool, but you want to have those th- three things working together. At least that's your baseline. The software to run that hardware. Roger yeah. that. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly no, right. That's awesome. Professionals yeah. talk about software. Amateurs talk about hardware. This is so true. It's so true. No, that's exactly right. Okay, good to go. Um, that's kind of the mindset behind them. Are there any specific items that stand out to you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Again, as, as I said a little bit earlier, but to really mm-hmm. emphasize the fundamentals for me when you leave your house is, you know, doesn't stray far from the uh, U.S. Army concept of shoot, move, and communicate. So okay. with a standard issue kind of citizen, may not be armed with a firearm, that's fine. You still want to be able to defend yourself. So have not only the plan, but the implement. So we already assume you have the plan, you have the mindset and willingness to apply a plan. What is that plan going to be? And for most individuals, um, the thought of, especially, and there is a, you know, not to be sexist about this at all, but there is a different uh, mindset and indoctrination that goes on with uh, civilian females and civilian males. And then you've got subcategories that break out. You know, if you're athletically inclined, if that sport that you were involved in, whether a male or female involves physical contact, your mindset's going to be slightly different. And, and thus, your gear will be slightly different, right? Yeah. So just going with a general baseline of, of a relatively physically fit civilian who has a positive kind of self-actuated self-realized mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, The three things you want to focus on is shoot translating into how am I going to defend myself beyond just my, my hands and my, my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the basic things that they can run with. And unfortunately I don't have the example of uh, because I, I broke it actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, I, I usually carry a surefire pen with me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And again, Surefire is not paying me to say this, but they're yeah. my favorite, you know, manufacturer of these products. But oh. any rigid pen, meaning aircraft grade aluminum, not one of those really crazy stabby pens that have a pointy cap that you have to unscrew. But if you look at Surefire as kind of the example, they've got uh, aircraft uh, grade aluminum pens that are just regular ballpoint clicker pens that are writing an instrument, they're a writing implement, right? Mm -hmm. But that rigid pen, one, everybody, male, female, doesn't matter, can use a pen. You always need a pen. And it's an easy thing to carry, right? And it's a permissible writing instrument or implement. It is not a weapon, 
right? And so that being the case, having a pen with you is always a good idea. The second piece of equipment that you should always have with you is a personal carry light, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and that goes for even the high speed, low drag guys out there who have uh, a weapons light. Why do I need a light? You know, I'm not going to use the neck indexing shooting technique or any of that stuff. I've got a light on my weapon. Okay, great. Um, you're not going to draw your weapon to find your way out of a, a darkened building. Yeah. You know, you do that in civilian world and you might stumble across a, a problem a at some point, right? Yeah. You might get yeah. shot by the other right. guy. Exactly and right. We're going to call the cops on you. <laughs> Precisely right. So why draw that attention? And so the, between the pen and the light, and of course the specs on the light, the two that, um, actually the three light companies that I recommend, Surefire, if you can pay for it, if you have the money, they will never fail you. Yeah. Um, Streamlight is another good option, uh, much less expensive and you know reasonably good quality for what you're paying for. And then I've been getting pretty turned on by uh, Olight. Uh, Olight's got some products out there that are pretty good. Good quality uh, LEDs, they hold up, they're shockproof and all that. They're not quite at the level of Surefire, mm -hmm. but they're still good quality and they're a little more civilian friendly. Okay. Um, pricing wise and the look and feel. But have a good light and then on that light, what I recommend is the crenulated bezel, strike bezel, right? Mm -hmm. Simply because um, the light itself, you can use it in darkened situations. You lose power in your home, you lose power at work. Uh, if you parked your vehicle in the public parking space or the company parking garage and there's no lights in there at night and you're transiting from, from your office to your, to your car, instead of doing this on your phone, on your, you know, being in your black mirror, which is what everybody does, yeah. be out there with light in your hands, and a pen in your hand. And that way, as you're, as you're transiting and moving, you're approaching that dark parking spot where your vehicle is, you hit it with that light, with that 500 plus lumens light, which is another factor you want good lumens on your, on your handheld. If there's a predator who's staged looking at that car as a possible uh, uh, you know, ambush location for you, yeah. if he sees, and it's gonna be a he, and if he sees you hitting that car up, lighting that car up with a 500 plus lumen light, He's going to say, well, wait a minute, <laughs> that's a prepared individual. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I want to, I mean, what else does she have? Does she have a blade on her? Does she have gas? Does she mm -hmm. have a taser? Does she have a firearm? Yeah. I don't know if I want to find out about that. You disqualify yourself as an easy target. Right off the bat, right off yeah. the bat. And, and so the, the way to look at it is illumination tool, pen. These are both non-weapon items that can be used in an improvised situation as improvised weapons. Mm -hmm. They're also permissible in government buildings. They're permissible on commercial airlines um, because they're not weapons. But in the right hands, they can be deployed as self-defense tools to discourage an attacker from, from coming at you. Um, and they're multi-use, mm -hmm. unlike a firearm, which is a very specific tool. Uh, you know, flashlight you need. Once you get used to having this, you're going to wonder how you went, you know, went yeah. on for all those years. Because it's again, true. this, your, your little black mirror, your cell phone is your comms device. Um, mm -hmm. Your light is your illumination tool. That's your light. That's not, that's not your comm device. So those three items, and I'm, I'm holding them up. I know we're on a podcast, but I'm holding them up to the camera. Yeah. These things do not take up much space at all. And they could save your life. Yeah. And the right application, the right combination, they will save your life. So, um, so those are my basic tools, basic kind of baseline when we're teaching um, citizens out there and civilians in workplace environment that at the very least start with that. And then from there, start to think about uh, things that, you know, medical uh, applications, things that will stop bleeding, which again yeah. is something you want to have, regardless if you're worried about a human attack or if you're out hiking um, you have an earthquake and heavy object falls on you, you're in a car accident and you, you know, uh, suddenly have a bleeder, you know, you, um, you know, you're, you suddenly uh, find that you're, you're, uh, bleeding and you need to arrest that, uh, that bleeding as quickly as possible and prevent you from passing out. You, you want to have that med kit available. Now, now med kits, you just don't want to buy it and just kind of stash it. You've got to use them. 
and all of that. And, and stop me if I, if I, you know, I'm burning up too much time here, but I want to, this is great, man. This is awesome. This is little, of course. <laughs> I want to cover one other really, really important thing mm-hmm. about um, EDC defensive tools that uh, oftentimes um, females in particular will rely upon. And this is another mm-hmm. thing, kind of a, an icebreaker that I do at, at our training is I'll have everybody in the room, raise their hand that has a uh, CS or pepper spray canister in their handbag, on their person, on their keychain, whatever. So mm-hmm. you get there, you know, half a dozen or so typically that raise their hand. My follow-up question, I go, good. Okay. So you're, you're somewhat prepared. That's awesome. Great mindset. I can tell that you're, you're preparing for the unknown. How old is that? Is that CS canister or that pepper spray? Eh, you know, two, three years. Okay. When's the last time you actually tested it? Oh, I've, I've never actually tested it. Okay. So, you know, what does it say? Does that one say 12 feet? Does it say 21 feet? So on and so forth. Yeah, mine's 21 feet and it's great. And I've, I've seen the video for it and all that. Okay, good. That's that's good to go. Okay, so an A for for having a plan, at least some sort of plan. And a tool. But, yeah. but a major fail for not knowing how your equipment works because yeah. that is a very specific self-defense tool, right? Absolutely. And then we go into all the specifics about why pepper spray is a very, it's as specific as a firearm or as a knife, right? Mm-hmm. It's a tool, a self-defense tool that's designed for a very specific purpose under very specific conditions. Mm-hmm. So I walk them through the, the typical scenario that if you're transiting from your home to your vehicle, the mall to your vehicle, work to your work vehicle. to your vehicle and you're out in an open environment that that is not a closed hermetically sealed environment of an office building you've got crosswinds you've got a breeze you've got different factors that unless you're you know a combat control technician from the air force you're not noticing just kind of you know uh, automatically that you've got crosswinds you know you got yeah. a southeast wind at five knots you know with a slight uh, pickup breeze Nobody notices that, right? No. So the second you're under duress and you um, instinctively reach for that gas and you hit that, you don't know if you're going to catch a face full of your own CS gas or your pepper spray. And so at the very precise moment that you need to be at your best, you're now at half speed, right? At best. If that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, And here's the other piece. If you don't know what 12 feet looks like on that, that contact point for that arc of that spray, yeah, 21 feet for that matter, <laughs> you're going to misjudge that. You're going to misjudge it. Naturally. And if you just get enough of that stuff on the guy's chest as he's approaching you, yeah, it's going to water up his eyes and he might, might blink him for a moment, but it's also going to piss him off and it's going to motivate him even further. Yeah. So you can't just rely on having a, a CS or a pepper spray canister sitting around in your handbag that's probably dead. It's probably lost its propellant. Um, and so I tell them, if you're going to use that, great. Buy two every six months when you use for training and you practice how far it will actually spray in contact. The other one is your carry. And then every six months, you religiously rotate it out. And, and that's just what you do. And you go, well, it's expensive. Well, how? It's weapon maintenance. This is yeah, just I mean, the game. Isn't, you know, staying alive isn't cheap. You know, you pay <laughs> yeah. for health care. Yeah. You pay for auto insurance, you pay for safe vehicles, you know, you know, those That's... types of things. So uh, what's your life worth kind of thing? So if you're going to go to the trouble of actually arming yourself, uh, it's the same thing if somebody, you know, buys a firearm and they never train with it. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an investment, but Dangerous. it's not going to do any good in a pinch. So all of this is to say um, all of these tools and implements are good, but they're only as good as the operator driving them. Mm-hmm. You got to practice with them and don't become reliant on, on overly complicated devices. Pepper spray canisters don't seem, don't seem overly complicated, but in fact they are. Um, and they're very specific. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's countless uh, um, live, not live videos, but there's countless uh, training videos out there of law enforcement officers who train with these things on a regular basis because they're in the heat of battle and they can't tell what the weather conditions are sometimes they employ CS gas canisters and it comes back on them yeah. or it just no. doesn't work the way you think it will work in real yeah. life. And if the, if the, if the assailant is coming at you at speed and you get a shot off and you hit them with that CS gas, great. Like, I even disable them to some extent, but there's no coming at you. 
Yeah. If you fall on you with a face full of CS gas, you're going to have some of that contacting you. And it's going to impact your ability to, to defend oh, yourself. So, yeah. so anyways, these are all things, nuances that people need to think about. And, and in particular, you know, females, women, because, um, it's not that they're not capable. It's not that they can't rise to the occasion. Um, it is that there are very specific uh, physical factors they need to um, consider, consider and take in Comp- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would agree with you, man. I one time snuck into my dad's room and sprayed his, I don't know what kind of gas it was, but it was like this foam that went on the wall. And I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> kill me. And I was like trying to figure out how to clean it up. I hadn't touched it yet. And then all of a sudden I was like, and I was like choking and had to yeah. run out of the room. And I was like, golly, man, you better be outside when you spray this stuff. Exactly. Like yeah, exactly right. It's not like all good in the hood. You spray that inside a house or someone's getting wild in your living room and you zap them. Some yeah, no, that's exactly talking, right. You know? uh, so um, I learned that lesson, you know, when I was younger. Um, and it's, it's just good weapon maintenance overall. So do you, in terms of, I guess, and I like that you make the female considerations because it's different. We're different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the carrying the tennis shoes in the bag is that's solid game. I hadn't even thought about that, you know, because mm-hmm. um, that's a factor. Could you the, trying to run? And especially if there's some natural disaster and there's broken glass on the floor and right. you're about to try to exit the building and you have your pumps on or whatever. This isn't the rest. Of, this isn't the way we want this going down. That's it's awesome stuff. Exactly. Um, and making the considerations for more than just a human threat, you know, that's right. part of the game. You know, you got car accidents, you got natural disasters. I mean, these things are actually kind of, kind of more frequent, mm-hmm. uh, big, larger consideration than your active shooter. Although I heard a statistic, I heard my buddy talking about something he read the other day that was talking about um, how it used to be more. It used to be, I may have said this already, but it used to be more uh, common for someone to have dealt with uh, more likely to get struck by lightning than to deal with an active shooter hmm. a year or so ago. And now that statistic has flipped. <laughs> it's actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, things have changed. So Yeah, they, it definitely has. One of the things we say about uh, active threat and act, active shooters is mm-hmm. we're more acutely aware of it now because we're able to get that reporting component to us a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And the Department of Justice and the FBI in particular are gathering more specifically and correctly categorized types of shooting events and those types of things. And so we're seeing more of it. But if you if you looked back at um, the turn of the previous century back in New York and, and some of the other major cities around the world, Paris, London, uh, again, New York City, Mm-hmm. Um, Istanbul, things like that. When the um, political movement, the anarchists, were really big, and this is you know late eighteen hundreds into the into the early nineteen hundreds. Okay. Um, you know the anarchists were uh, this this radical political movement um, that was pushing back against modernity and uh, industrialization and the dehumanization of, of of people being kind of hor- uh, herded into factories and. Mm-hmm. In New York City in particular, um, anarchists were, were um, straight up bombing, uh, you know, the mayor of New York, uh, city council members, uh, stockbrokers, bankers, uh, captains of industry. There was open terrorist acts happening in the city, uh, not unlike in the roaring 20s when, you know, Prohibition and the organized crime factions were fighting against, um, you know, the, the Bureau and, and other yeah, federal right. agencies on um, bootlegging and such. Mm-hmm. So we had open gunfights occurring back then and politically motivated assassinations and things like that. But you don't hear a lot about that except for, you know, you hear catchphrases like, you know, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, Al Capone, yeah. Babyface Floyd, and, you know, all of the notorious gangsters. And people kind of look back on it nostalgically and think, oh, those were crazy days. Well, no, there was open anarchy in the streets of America. And uh, to be caught up in a shooting when the statistics back then would have been through the roof and would clear your sinuses today if we were to compare apples to apples and the statistics of it. So all of that is to say, yes, it's not great right now. And we do have a higher occurrence that's trending up a bit, but it's not the first time this has happened in America. 
And it's certainly not the first time it's happened in any other Western civilized uh, society. It ebbs and flows, these types of uh, eras and, and epochs of violence, you know, they, they change. And, and the reason that's relevant, the reason I kind of bore people to death with those kind of walk down memory lane in history is because, again, going back to what we talked about on the, on the previous podcast is that human beings are prone to violence at times under the right circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that it's nothing new, it's nothing that's unique to our modern time. Mm-hmm. It's simply that we're more acutely aware of it now. So we, that's actually a benefit because we can um, prepare ourselves accordingly to deal with it uh, in a much better way. Okay, solid. Are there, do you have like situational considerations um, for your EDC? Are there different things that make you carry different stuff, different items? Um, if so, how do you approach all that stuff? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great, uh, that's a great question. Um, so a couple of points that, that I really try to emphasize on that is just like with, with any um, executive protection agent out there, you know, you dress to the gun, right? Mm-hmm. But depending on what, what the operation is, what your loadout is, you wear appropriate attire for that. Um, so in that same kind of mindset where you have a little bit of pre-planning, a little advanced planning, uh, we'll use a common occurrence in modern day life, going to the movies with your family, right? Hey, here we go. So if you think about it, okay, so great time. You know, there's obviously been uh, some example in history of uh, lone wolf attacks occurring within public movie theaters and things of that sort. So mm-hmm. when you think about a movie theater these days, how are they laid out? Well, they're laid out in amphitheater style, right? Yep. So everybody is uh, going kind of up like stadium seating. Mm-hmm. And where are the exits? Down below. Down below. You got to fight your way to them. Right? Yeah. Bad guy going to be. Oh, right down there below. Down below. Right. And, um, and of course, we know in the Aurora shooting, that was precisely what occurred. And so if you're going to go out with the family to a movie, and again, I'm not saying you shouldn't go out to the movies, um, but if you're going to do that, be prepared. So when you buy your seats or when if a lot of times now you can uh, reserve your seats in a lot of these different theaters, or if you just mm-hmm. walk in, give yourself time to get there early. So, uh, you know, it's going to sound very, you know, you know old man, grandpa style. But get it. You know, this if you're, we're here you're to do 15 it. minutes early, you're late, right. you know, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> But you definitely want to do that because it it gives you the ability to check out the environment. You get in there, you get all your stuff, you get into the theater, you set up your family, you figure out your exits, and then you figure out if a bad guy's coming in, where is he going to come from? And so you've got your plan laid out. The lights are going to go out. So again... you get to see everyone too. You can, can see, see everybody coming in too. Right? You can see the sketchy people with the big eyeballs and yeah, got their sunglasses on for no reason and exactly. <laughs> trench coat. The, who's paying attention? Who's not? You know? Yeah. Who's watching you? Watch them. You know that yeah. kind of stuff. So exactly right. All the human behavioral stuff you want to do, but if you're going out, so your EDC for that for that run is you definitely got to have your light. Yep. I would recommend if you're trained up on it, have some med gear with you, but not a lot, just something that can stop bleeding and then make sure your phone is charged. Now the phone being charged, you know, we all know that's a huge, huge challenge. So, so you want to make sure that, you know, you're in your vehicle, you're plugging that phone in, you're charging it. Um, you have your, uh, some sort of a outboard portable battery system that you can charge while you're in the theater. If you've got your, your bag with you, or if your wife's got her, handbag or you know your boyfriend's got his man bag whatever the case is mm-hmm. then you've got you know you've got your uh, mophie charger or your other outboard battery charger that you can plug in your phone's being charged now that sounds all kind of like nerdy and overkill and whatnot but again your phone is your comms device right yep. and yep. so you want in that situation of going to the movies dark environment a lot of strangers i can't pre-screen uh limited exit options I want to have everything to my advantage. I want to be able to get my family up, get them out that door and, and move and know, you know, know what my options are in, in getting them out. And if I have to fight my way through an assailant, then I've got to have a plan for that as well. So again, do I have my, my folder, my clip knife with me? Do I have my pen uh, or am I a responsible armed citizen? Right. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. so, do I have a weapons light on there? Is yeah. that light good to go? Right. Is it, is it fully, uh, you know, battered up and all of that? So those are the factors. And it's as simple as that. 
Okay, I'm going to be in a theater. I'm a CCW holder. Uh-huh. I've got my my rig with my weapons light. I'm good to go. I know I can engage at certain distances in dark environments or low light environments. So that's your EDC for that environment. If you're going into a um, non-permissive environment like a courthouse or a government building of some sort, um, uh, then then and you can't have a firearm with you or you're not a licensed uh, CCW holder, then you just have to have a plan of attack again for the devices you're going to use. But the movie theater example is is a common one. Um, another one is sporting events. Okay. If it's an arena, indoors, basketball game, um, the biggest factor you're worried about there, as well as the theater, is if the lights go out or if there is darkness suddenly and you've got a herd of people coming down those stairs, stadium seating, you know, an armed assailant may not be your biggest danger. It may be that getting trampled or having your loved ones trampled, your kids, that type of thing, that could be your biggest danger. Yeah. So moving immediately may not be your first option. Mm-hmm. You may need to think about holding your ground, seeing the lay of the land, see what happens, and then and then go from there. Um, so planning is really the biggest part. Um, the tools remain mostly the same. Um, just because you go out in daylight, another thing to, to take into, into consideration with the handheld light, the, the, the three items again, the phone, you know, your black mirror, your mm-hmm. portable handheld light, and some sort of rigid um, stabbing implement mm-hmm. and what have you. Those are easy. You should be able to carry those. You should always have room for those. Well, it's broad daylight. I'm, I'm just going to the grocery store. Why do I need a flashlight? Well, because that's a blunt striking instrument as well. It's not just a flashlight. Yeah. And guess what? You're going out in daylight. You may be in a situation where you find yourself in the darkness whether it's inside a location that loses light or you're held away from your, um, from your home until nightfall. And now what? You're going to wish that you had it, right? Yeah. You're going to wish that you had that. Uh, same thing with carrying a, a weapons light on your pistol. If you're, if you're that responsibly armed citizen, really consider your EDC carry uh, of having a weapons light on there because you may go out in daylight but you may find yourself in low light conditions before you know it. So just get used to it. You know, is it uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah it can be, you know, but carry, uh, get, get accustomed to having that light because everybody needs light. Yeah, I agree with you. I've had so many times when I use my light, even as a civilian, I just, now I, I, if I never work protection again, I'll have a flashlight on me every single day until the day I Absolutely. die. Because yeah. you, like you said, you'll be surprised how many times you actually use it once you start having one. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just a ridiculous amount of benefits. And and I feel like too, um, it's like the planning, the software is a part of your EDC because that plan that you have is really what's going to make the difference in more circumstances than having a firearm and things like that. It's nice to have those tools, but if you pick the right spot in the theater, you can get out of the, you can get out or you can get better angles on that uh, threat more easily to give you more options to address that threat. And Man, it's those big, it's the planning stuff is big. You sit in the right spot in the restaurant, you'll have a better chance if the threat uh, behaves or comes through the door, the front door, or depending on where it is, you're going to be in a better position. Uh, so even if you don't have that weapon, man, yeah. the plan is really what gives you that tactical edge. Uh, Absolutely. And, and to that point, exactly. It's something that we also talk about in training and in my situation in particular, when you're, um, you know, um, when you are kind of the, uh, when you have a family, uh, friends, whatever, but a uh, family in particular and kids, younger kids, half the trick uh, is, uh, since you are the designated protector of that family unit is being able to move with those, uh, younger ones, um, yeah. who you've got to get on board with a plan. Now, how do you do that? Because you don't want to sit there and talk at length about bad people to come in and do bad things because at that point in their life, that really changes their mindset and un- unnecessarily gets them worried about things they don't need to be worried about right then because yeah. you're handling it. So what do you do about that? So what my wife and I did when my two girls um, who are now, you know, young adults and teenage, you know, right in that transition age of uh, teenager and uh, young adult, when they were probably six or seven, when we would go out to theaters or we go out to the uh, restaurants in particular, in order to get them situationally aware, we would play a game. And that was that if they, if they, um, once we got to our seat at the restaurant, 
the first one to come up with the most viable and sound exit plan, whether it was an earthquake, a kitchen fire, a bad guy showing up trying to hurt people, whoever yeah. came up with that exit plan that stood the test of well, the what ifs, right? Well, what about this? What about that? Yeah. Uh, got to have dessert, whether they finished their dinner or not. <laughs> and, Incentivized. So, and so they were, heck yeah, I'm all over that. So yeah. it became a game that uh, there was an incentive and motivation to do it. And it was fun. And, uh, but it got them thinking critically about yeah. their options, right? And we weren't just talking about bad guys showing up with firearms. We would talk about if you're in a restaurant, there's a kitchen. Kitchen has gas lines. Could be an earthquake in California, gas line ruptures, and you have an explosion, right? Yeah. And now that exit that you spotted, which is a good exit if you have an active shooter come in because they're coming in through the front typically, may not be your best exit because it's going right by the kitchen. It's a mm -hmm. backdoor exit going right by the kitchen where the fire is, and you don't want to go near the fire. So what are your other options? And so it's a fun way to kind of get them to think about and interact on a serious issue that doesn't have to be so morose and focused on, you know, bad results and bad outcomes. Outstanding. But it's a huge empowerment factor because it gets the kids thinking from an early age. Now, you know, if you're fortunate enough that you live in a part of the country or it's practical in your everyday lifestyle that you're teaching them how to, to fish and hunt and trap and track and do all that stuff, good on you. You know, you've got, you're blessed with those options. Um, in urban and semi-urban or suburban environments, that's not going to be the case. Those aren't practical everyday skills you're going to be able to focus on. So finding a way to educate and empower your family um, to get on board with the process is huge because then you're not, um, they're, they're thinking and they're acting and you're all moving together and pulling in the same direction mm -hmm. as opposed to you trying to herd cats in a moment of crisis when things are crazy and uh, you're having to do double duty because you're trying to like herd your kids out a dark theater where things are falling apart. And so anyways, those are things that, that, again, going back to the issue of software, you need to think about your whole unit. Who are you going out with? Who's ambulatory? Who's not? Who has special considerations? Um, and have a plan for those special considerations. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Are there any pieces of gear that you... I really like that kid game thing. I'm going to do that, by the way. Like that was, that's, that's that good was good gouge right there, man. That's good stuff. Are there any pieces of gear that have failed you or that you don't carry for any specific reason? Like nah. um, anything that maybe people should steer away from? That's, I don't know. Yeah. Right now? Yeah, oh. absolutely. Um, first and foremost, don't, don't get caught up. And this is aimed towards the male audience because women have more sense about themselves than this. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, guys get caught up, especially civilians uh, who maybe don't have military experience or law enforcement experience. They get focused on the tactical stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't get caught up in the stuff that's going to make you stand out. Um, try to be the gray man. Um, yeah. Because, again, just because you know, a backpack has, you know, molly loops on it doesn't mean it's going to be more effective. In fact, it's going to be less effective because you're not going to use molly, you know, strap on accessories. It's just going to be ridiculous. You're not going to carry it. You're dropping breadcrumbs everywhere. Well, exactly. <laughs> I guarantee that if a threat sees that, they're going to, they're going to eyeball you. And while it may be a, a visual deterrent to some extent, it's likely going to be more of a, you're going to be the first guy I'm going to hit. Yep. And so you want to be that gray man. So don't, don't, and, and the other unfortunate reality is the gear companies out there um, that are just shooting for volume sales, they're making the tactical stuff because they know guys will buy it and they'll spend yeah. premium dollars for something that really is, you don't need, it's useless. Mm -hmm. um, so don't get caught up into that marketing, um, you know, bait and switch. Yeah. Uh, buy gear that you're going to use practically that doesn't scream tactical. Mm -hmm. um, be the gray man. And uh, so, you know, the, the 72 hour uh, backpacks that have all the Molly strapping on it, you know, miss me with that. That's, you don't need it. Um, go with the stuff that blends. And, uh, and typically that's going to be your, your North face, your, um, you know, your mountaineering type gear, the stuff that you'll find at like REI or whatever. Yeah. Right. 
um, your Arcteryx, if you can afford it, you know, yeah. um, the stuff that is, uh, uh, structurally designed for outdoor use and, uh, mountaineering, really, that's what I find is, is stuff that's built to last and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't stand out. Um, you know, they make it in uh, more civilian friendly, uh, gray man kind of setup. So that's the yeah. way to go. Um, so anyways, that's uh, the other thing that, that I'm not a huge fan of, but this is a personal preference issue, is that if you are a CCW holder, I am not a big fan of off-body carry. And so the sling bags and the, you know, the, and I, and I love Vertex stuff. A lot of Vertex stuff is really well-made, well-designed, well-thought-out. Same yeah. with 511. They've got a lot of good gear. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a big fan of even even a secondary um backup pistol in in an off carry situation because it's too easy to lose positive control of that of that bag yeah uh, and once you lose that you own whatever happens with that fire you know yep. any bad stuff that happens it's on you um so if you if you're a ccw holder have i recommend having that pistol on you where you have positive control of it all the time Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's part of the responsibility of having it. It's, it's going to keep you out of trouble from a civil liability standpoint and ideally from any kind of a tragic, you know, uh, situation where your firearms not in your direct immediate control. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And then any, um, any like CCW considerations as far as clothing, dress i mean yeah you, yeah things kind of go without saying to us but some of the listeners may not you know yeah no may I, appreciate I hear you. information and and you know this is this is obviously nothing new and i'm just kind of you know repeating what what is already known out there in the world in the in the ccw community is you got to dress to the gun now yeah. i will be the first to admit that that um i do my best to dress to the gun but there are times when um because if I'm carrying a full framed, uh, you know, 22, you know, G22 or mm-hmm. G17 or what have you, um, where I'm going to get a little bit of printing. Um, so I'm not the best. Uh, my uh, operations director, King Guerci, is the, the master of deep concealment of firearms. I, that guy, it's like he's got internal storage compartments on his body <laughs> yeah. where he can just tuck a, a pistol. And he's always been good at it. You know, back in the wow. day when he was running 1911s, mm. um, he was one of the first guys that I knew before it became cool to uh, carry appendix style. And he used to carry 1911s appendix style, which is that's just straight up ballsy. That's like, that's straight up baller move. I never trusted myself enough or the, or the mechanical safety on that weapon to carry it in an appendix style. But all that is to say that you, you have to be very cognizant of printing Mm -hmm. and I could be better at it. um, And I'm not uh, as good as I could be, but more or less, I picked up a lot of tips from him and just kind of getting more comfortable with it. So bottom line Mm -hmm. is dress to the weapon, dress to the pistol. Uh, make sure you've got appropriate drape on your on your uh, outer garment and that you're obviously practicing with your draw stroke and that type of thing. But don't just assume that, oh, I've got my CCW. If I if I print a little bit, big deal, I'm, I'm legal. No, the expectation is <laughs> if you print and you cause consternation in the public with it and a law enforcement officer rolls up on you, you could lose your CCW as a result of it. If, it, mm-hmm. if they want to get crazy about it and say that you're brandishing, you know, yeah. it's a fine line between printing and brandishing mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, so just be smart about it. Be smart about what you're wearing, dress to it. And, um, you know, if you're going to be out there, you know, being uh, Johnny cool and you're, you want to go out there in your board shorts and your t-shirt, maybe that's not the day you carry a pistol, you know, maybe right. you're doing something else. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, be smart about it, dress to the weapon and, uh, Know your, you know, again, know your environment and know who's going to be watching you. Yeah, your venue, consider it solid. Um, any other considerations? Uh, yeah, um, if you're going out and you are, again, a properly licensed CCW holder, absolutely, absolutely have a backup magazine, at least one. Yes. If not more. <laughs> yes. Um, have that backup magazine because you know the drill. One is none, two is one. Um, yeah. And you're going to go through, if you're in California, you're going to go through those first 10 rounds faster than you might think. 
Yeah. Um, and you, you got to have at least that next 10 to, to maybe uh, stay in that fight and, and stop the threat. So um, always, you know, if you, if you're carrying a pistol, if you're carrying even a, you know, a wheel gun, if you're carrying a little 38, you know, chief special, have that stripper clip or have that, uh, that speed load uh, ready to roll because you're probably going to need it. You know, one of the things we used to say, and this might be a little much for, for a podcast, but if uh, something's uh, worse once, it's worse than twice. I so can. <laughs> better have, uh, better have that backup uh, uh, magazine as well. So, so, so definitely do that. And that's obviously a consideration when you're dressing again, if you're rolling around in board shorts and a loose t-shirt, you know, be, you know, you got to carry your wallet, you got to carry your phone, carry your keys. Now you got a magazine you're carrying. Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to go with the gun today? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But uh, if you got it, if you're going to carry a pistol, have those items. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Especially in Cali. I got like a little double mag caddy that I throw on. That's just like real low pro, but I just yeah. got to have it. Got to have it. Heaven forbid, man. You know, <laughs> heaven forbid. You never know when the bad man's going to show up. Yeah, you know, and what it's going to take to stop him. Solid, brother. So, yeah, man, I mean, that sounds like you pretty much covered it. And are you kind of like modular, like you have your pocket items on you and then you have something else in the car? Kind of you Absolutely. Just- yeah, it's, I've got what I carry on my person, what I carry in my bag. Um, and, and so, you know, the items on my person is obviously my, my uh, you know, pistol, mm-hmm. my backup magazine, um, you know, my light a pen and my comms device, right? right? So that's on my person. And then oftentimes I'll also have uh, a clip or a backup. Um, Poker. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get off me uh, implement. Yeah, so, get uh, off me implementer. Yeah, that's right. Somebody gets on me and, and I don't want them in my space and uh, that encourages them to back off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the items that are always on me uh, in addition to my wallet, my keys and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, then in my bag, I've got my uh, uh, GSW kit, gunshot wound kit, uh, backup additional, which is inclusive of Israeli bandage, um, a hemostatic uh, uh, pressure dress bandage, or um, uh, some sort of uh, application, so blood stopper, um, as well as a tourniquet. And my preference is a cat tourniquet. I also do have uh, rats tourniquets, which I, I believe in. Whichever style you, I'm not like in that whole war between, between combat medics and, and PJs that are like, ah, rats, tourniquets, it's bullshit, it's a rubber band. Yeah. You know, whatever. If you're going to have a tourniquet, just know how to use it. Yeah. So that's in my bag as, as long as well as two spare mags uh, that are easily accessible. Um, and then I've got, you know, um, my, uh, my little kit bag that has uh, a Mophie battery backup. I've okay. actually got two backup batteries so I can go for a sustained period of time. And then I have a small roll up uh, Vapure uh, water container, a quart size water bag that rolls up and compresses and iodine tablets. So that way, if stuff has really gone crazy and I'm on foot and I'm out in the world for 12 plus 24 hours, I need water. And I can't, yeah, am I going to be able to find water? Sure, I'm going to be able to find water. But in the event that I can't, I know I can use uh, that bag to fill up even stagnant water, hit it with the iodine tablets, and now I'm, I'm mobile and I'm hydrated for another, you know, eight to 10 hours, whatever. Hmm. Um, but the hydration aspect is a huge thing because um, most of us don't drink enough water in the first place. And all it's going to take is a couple of stints of, of um really um, uh, extended um, um, uh, physical exertion and you're going to get dehydrated. You know, if you're not already hydrated from, from jump street, right? Exactly right. (laughs) Hydrate or die, man. Hydrate or die. We know the deal. So that, but you know, it sounds ridiculous and it sounds, you know, Oh, come on. You know, miss me with all that jargon, genuine stuff, but it's the truth. And, uh, and, and, you know, the simple, the simple example is, you know, if you're in a training session, you, you know, say, Hey, okay. If you had to kick off your Jimmy choose and go run sprints, 200 meters worth of 50 yard sprints or two 50 meter sprints, you think you're going to be dehydrated after that? Yeah, of course I would be. Okay. So if you're in a place of employment in a business complex and you got to run to get out of there, mm-hmm. isn't that like a 50 meter sprint? 
and you may have to do it several times, you're going to be dehydrated. And if now you've got to continue after that, you're going to be dehydrated. So, yeah. so within the bag, so my personal carry, then I've got my backup medical, backup ammunition and hydration capability in my, my uh, backpack, which is my computer bag and all that stuff. And then I, in my vehicle, I've got additional med supplies, additional water supply and additional um, soft armor and sometimes plate armor, depending on where I'm at. Um, and, you know, in theory, I may or may not have a long arm as well, depending on, again, where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So, again, fighting from my personal position to my bag, from my bag to my vehicle, from my vehicle to wherever I got to be. So that's kind of how I set up my ADC. Heck yeah. That's what's up. I do the same thing. I'm like yep. just about patrol ready from my car, but yeah, ready to fight out of a building on my person. And yep. Yeah, got that day pack with me with some extra cool stuff in there. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a modular approach is really what we're seeing. With, exactly. Uh, that's precisely it. Yeah. Uh, heck yeah. Good to go, man. That's all I got. You got anything else you want to throw in there? Yeah, it's all my questions, man. Yeah, no, I think that's really it. Um, and invest in the software. <laughs> invest in the software. Use the stuff. And that's, here's the big secret. Once you get the fun stuff and you start playing with it and using it and applying it, it all, yeah, that's the epiphany moment. That's when yeah. you're like, God, this stuff works. It's not just nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's not just cool looking stuff. It works. I feel better about myself. I'm more prepared. And that's the epiphany moment. And you love to see that on people's faces when they realize this stuff works. Yeah. And, or you get the cool stuff you wanted and then you learn how to, how to get down and you're like, yo, that that's stupid and cool. I just wanted it because I saw it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't always got that. that moment. We all got the, uh, we all got the, uh, you know, the kit bags full of stuff that look cool. It's sitting right around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, we've all done it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got a graveyard of cool guy gear. I need to start like put on offer up or something. <laughs> that's why, all right. that's why God made eBay. Sell that stuff. Yeah, man. Well, thanks so much for your time again, Barry. I got to catch up with Kane too, man. We can get Absolutely. Um, but thanks once again for your time. This is, great content always a pleasure thanks for uh taking the time to do this you're putting out the knowledge out there and uh, you know good on you and keep up the good work awesome thank you thank you all right talk soon brother all right take care yo if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals essentially it's everything i know about executive protection and a lot of soft skill training on the techniques tactics principles that i believe make it so some protection agents succeed while others fail regardless of background Anyways, check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible contributing to this brand what we're doing here making it so that i can bring better guests on making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an america a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that the lifestyle behind that you guys are already killing it one dollar a month five dollars a month ten bucks a month twenty bucks a month whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on mcdonald's hey you want to put it towards something that's going to good use put it towards a podcast and get involved in our our patreon account at executive protection lifestyle.com if you want to find me that's byron rogers motivation.com um you know do whatever you can contribute whatever you can to that patreon account because it makes all of these things possible ladies and gentlemen so much love Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up 
and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's Byron Rogers Motivation. Com, and I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.